Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. Episode 42, Conflict and War. So I'm here with Adam and Monica, and today is October 11th. We're right in the middle of an escalating conflict between Israel and Palestine that the whole world is waking up to, and it seems like it's not getting any better at the moment. And we really wanted to just, you know, use this platform to engage on this topic and just really discuss and dialogue on, you know, how do we respond to this and, you know, what are our thoughts around this? So I'm just going to open this up. Yeah, so for me, this hit pretty close to home, and I'll say why. I had um, one of my really good friends, Tiaflo Hayashi, he was in Israel with Bishop Robert Stearns. Heidi Baker was one of my mission school teachers in 2006. Uh, she was there with Will Hart and the Irish Mission School. So people that I really love, people that I know, people that I highly respect um, and care about, people that I've ministered with, people were there as this conflict was escalating. So for me, it hit real real home. I mean, I was with Teofilo this year in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so to me, I was just like, man, this, this, is, this felt really personal. And I know that he has a massive assignment on his life and the American church needs the experiences that he has in Brazil. And I was just praying, you know, God protect him. I had real confidence that God would protect him. And also that sometimes it is necessary for people with apostolic callings, apostles, to go through certain things to see, um, I hate to say it, but to see death, to smell it, to taste it. Um, If you're going to bring resurrection life, it's sometimes necessary to go through that. Even within the biblical narrative, you see the apostles are involved in storms, earthquakes, uh, all types of uh, things where they're experiencing uh, the power of God and and natural disaster and profound challenges. Paul was shipwrecked, uh, the boat broke. I mean, you just, in the kingdom, you, it's, it is necessary sometimes to go through various trials you know access that we enter into the kingdom through much tribulation and it's like nobody wants that but that is something that god uses to form people that are shaping the world and bringing the kingdom so heidi's used to it she was laughing at war and she was like continuing with her message you know so i mean you know that's and bishop robert stearns has just a great heart for israel he's super connected there and he has a love for um the israeli people and he has this thing called abraham's bread where they're feeding jews muslims christians whoever um inside israel they're doing a great work so if you want to check out eagle's wings that's a legitimate place if this if this conflict is is bothering you in a way where you want to do something if you go to eagle's wings they have an israel um project emergency uh project where you could just sow into that and that's good ground i i highly recommend that if you actually care, first thing you can do is pray. Second thing you can do is give. And I think the third thing you can do is try to understand the situation 
I think for us, we want to respond as disciples of Jesus in a biblical manner, and I think that requires love uh, and patience and compassion. And the first thing about war is that it takes um, the most important man out of the life of a woman and a child. So in war, they, they're losing the most important Husband and father. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that creates widows and orphans. Yeah. And pure religion is to visit widows and orphans and to relieve them and to love them and to care for them and to help them. Mm-hmm. So on both sides of the equation, when you see someone who's hungry, sick, naked, in prison, hungry, thirsty, you're seeing the face of Jesus in humanity. And so the first thing that we need to do is humanize it so before we spiritualize it before we politicize it and before we demonize people we have to say this creates a great human catastrophe people are dying people are going to wake up to their children dead um 40 children were beheaded by hamas like that that is that's not war that's terrorism so war is when two military forces are engaging with each other, right? So war would be if, let's say, the Taliban start to fire on a U.S. Humvee rolling in. Mm -hmm. That's war. Terrorism is if I go and I blow myself up and kill people with me or I fire a rocket into civilian neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So those are two different things. And so I think the first thing that we have to understand is even before you understand the history of why this is happening, you have to understand first what is happening, right? And so what is happening is Hamas was terrorizing Israeli citizens. So that means that Palestine is not at war with Israel. Mm. That's not what's happening. Hamas is firing rockets on innocent civilians right because they hate them and that's hamas's shared purpose and their stated purpose is to wipe israel off the face of the earth so first they want to kill all jews then they want to kill all christians mm-hmm. their primary goal right now is israel they, they, they want to they call israel the little satan they call the united states the big satan so what they from their worldview they want to kill all jews and all christians and in their mind, America is a Christian nation, which I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> we need a lot of help. I, I, that's, that's kind of flattering that they would think that about us. But, yeah. but we're actually a nation in major crisis. And just because people can pay their bills and have Netflix doesn't mean we're not in a major crisis. Yeah. So I have to say that because people ask me, are you pro-Israel? Are you pro-Palestine? And the answer is yes, mm-hmm. because I'm pro-human. And I'm pro-image bearer, and I'm so I want the Palestinian people to live in peace, mm-hmm. and I want the Jewish people to live in peace. How much land each group has, I don't make that up, mm-hmm. and I know this for a fact that most Palestinian people, right, do not want to be bombed. Yeah. And when you fire rockets from a civilian neighborhood. I don't know what you expect if you fire rockets at people. Mm-hmm. Like, do you not expect people to fire them back? Right. 
you know, you know, so so that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, in to paint a clearer picture, Israel's and I heard this from Bishop Robert Stearns, and I thought that this was a very, very wise thing to say. Israel's military is the IDF. D stands for defense, so it's the Israeli defense, uh, and I'm not sure what the F stands Forces. for. Forces, thank you. Um, and so that is, so they are for the purpose of defense. Mm-hmm. They are surrounded by people who hate them. Yeah. So you have to feel that. So imagine how black people felt in America in the 1800s. They're surrounded by hatred. It's not easy to live surrounded by hatred. It's not safe to live surrounded by hatred, especially if the people that hate you are well-funded and have rockets and missiles. and t- you know. It's, so that is, that is something that you have to really take into consideration. Another thing to take into consideration is that there's about 2 million Arab Israelis. So they're people who feel, as Arabs, mm-hmm. that they would rather live in Israel than their home nation of origin. Mm-hmm. So to me, that says something about Israel. It doesn't say that it's perfect, it just says that two million people would rather live in a foreign land than their own country. Mm. It's the same thing with America. America is not perfect. We have many, many challenges, but there are people who will literally risk their lives, air, land, and sea, to come to these shores. Not because we're perfect, but because there is opportunity. So that to me is, is something to at least consider. Now, on the other side of the uh, equation, you have... Palestinians who had title deed to land dating back to the Ottoman Empire. Israel rolled in and took that. So that's going to create conflict. But if you really look at what is happening now, it's not the Palestinian people. Mm -hmm. It's Hamas. So if the Palestinian people were fighting Israel, then you can say, okay, this is a geopolitical thing about land Okay, cool. That's not what this is. This is an ideology rooted in hatred. Yeah. So I got to correct myself earlier. I said this is a conflict between Israel and Palestine, but it's a conflict between Israel and the Hamas. And this is much more not about Lama, it's something else. It's a spiritual war. Yes. So, yes. So it's not to say that there is no critique on any sort of occupying. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know enough about it to speak to it authoritatively, but I know that educated and reasonable people bring that critique up. Mm. So I think it's fair to bring critiques up against both of them. So if I if I make a uh, if I criticize Israel, it doesn't mean I'm anti-Israel. Yeah. And if I criticize uh, what is happening in Palestine, it doesn't mean I'm anti-Palestine. So the idea that it just because you you criticize or say something doesn't mean you know, you're, it's like if I say something against the Jewish people, now it's like you're anti-Semitic. Like, right. no, that's that's emotionally immature. Yeah. And Jesus critiqued the yeah. Jewish people. He was a Jew. Yeah. Paul critiqued the Jewish people. He was a Jew. I will critique the American church. I am the American church. Yeah. Like, I will critique myself. Like, if unless you're Jesus, you will be subject to a prophetic critique. Hopefully that critique is bathed in love and truth and honesty and is said for the right reasons, but you mean anyone is open mm-hmm. to be criticized. So the idea that like Israel, they're God's people and they can just do whatever they want, that's not what we're saying. 
but but into the in the also the, in the defense of Israel, these are people they're they're working, they're going to schools, you know, wherever they go, synagogue, wherever they go, and then people start firing rockets on them. Yeah, and then it's like the Palestinian people they're not excited about that mm-hmm. because now some people who have hatred are, but the general populace is not like oh that's great. Why are why is it not great? Because Israel is going to retaliate. Mm-hmm. And those people who fired rockets are going to retreat from those neighborhoods. So, I mean, it's unspeakable, the the damage. And the thing about hatred, this is the thing that people don't realize, realize is that hatred has no boundaries. So, you know, Hamas goes in and starts beheading children raping and killing women that has nothing to do with land that has and so so if we're going to talk about this we have to be fair Mm -hmm. we have to be honest now they're also soliciting the help of hezbollah from uh, lebanon which is another terrorist organization Mm. so it's not lebanon yeah this is a very important thing it's not lebanon it's hezbollah it's not palestine it's Hamas. Yeah. This is the same thing, like, for example, when Americans talk China, 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 the great enemy, China. It's not China. It's the Chinese government. The thing is that if, if you don't have accurate language for something, you are, not def- you are not describing it accurately. Like, one of the things that I think that in America, and this is off the topic, but it's still on the topic because it's prejudiced, but we call it racism. If I say that you're racist or you say that I'm racist that, and you're talking about another human, that's, that's a false narrative because there's only one human race. So the Constitution said that there's different races to dehumanize black people. But there's only one human race. The Bible says that we come from one blood. So what happens is in America tries to go, oh, you know, white people all feel guilty now. All the white people need to apologize. We wash black people's feet. And we blow the shofar at a conference and all of a sudden things are going to get healed. And that never happens. And, and we in America, they do the same thing with the Native Americans. They send, they, they just give them a little land and send them a pile of cash and give them, you know, a casino. And they give them all the stuff that helps destroy their life worse. And with the native genocide of, of, of natives in America, right, and with the enslavement of black people, America has never got to the root of it, and the root of it is not brown or red skin or different shades of brown skin. It's greed and money. That's the bottom line. America fought Britain. Britain was their own brothers. If they will kill their own brothers because they don't want to be taxed, what makes you think they won't kill a native or a black person? If you will kill your own brother, follow me on that. If you will kill your own brother over money, how could you not kill someone else for land? It, it just doesn't even logically make sense. So we do the whole white guilt thing, and we, you know, and but the root of it is not being addressed, which is greed. That's the root. That's the sin. That's what they don't want to address. So we live in a culture that wants to address the inequities but not the iniquity so now you go back to the very book of genesis is the same thing cain killing abel the enmity between the seed as promised from genesis 3 so then you have the 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 isaac 
and Ishmael, the contention for the promise. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Jacob and Esau. And then you have Joseph and his half-brothers. And so you have, and then you have Moses killing one of the Egyptians. And then his own people rejecting him. It is enmity between the seeds. So it is spiritual. Mm -hmm. So you can spiritualize it, but first you have to humanize it before you spiritualize it or politicize it. Because now there's people suffering, they need help. So figuring out how long this has been going on and all that stuff is all well and good, but right now there's people going to be starving. Israel shut off the water. I mean, that's not good because you have people there that are not a part of this conflict. Now they don't have water. But Hamas doesn't care about those people. If they cared about those people, they wouldn't fire rockets from there. And it's not fair, in my opinion, to compare shutting off water to dropping bombs on civilian population. But, but this is war. So now it gets ugly, and now they're, now they're bombing civilian neighborhoods. And now we're going to see pictures of a whole bunch of Palestinians crushed to death and blown up. And, and then that helps recruit the next generation of terrorists. And it's a never-ending cycle of hatred yeah. that's fueled by a radical version or a real version or a real radical version of Islam. And the Jewish people, they're basically like in the land, most they're like secular. They, you know, that fest that, that, that they went and started massacring people, there was like gay stuff going on. Tel Aviv is like super gay. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Israel is like the mother, Virgin Mother Mary over here. They're wicked people. Just like America's a wicked people. I mean, I'm just being honest. I know that people are not going to like that, but that's true. Mm -hmm. They're a secular wicked people. They promote homosexuality. They promote all the wicked stuff that the West promotes. Abortion is legalized. Abortion is legal. They're, 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 so they're wicked like us. And then the, 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 the Hamas, they're wicked. In another, in the, it's another form of wickedness. It's like barbaric. They just want to kill everyone. So, that, I mean, there's no winning... And hatred has no boundaries, and they'll kill women, rape women, kill children, blow up children, chop off heads, bomb civilian, uh, and, and there's no, there's no, there is no peace without Jesus. And Jesus is everything Gaza and Israel needs. The only solution, the only thing that can make a radical Muslim love a Jew is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Only Jesus can make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Tourism cannot do that. Only the gospel of Jesus. Only the Jewish people seeing Jesus as their Messiah. But even, here's the, here's the stone cold fact about that. Even if every Jewish person in Israel confessed Jesus today, that doesn't stop the war. Hamas still wants to kill them. Now they'll be double motivated because it would be killing a Jew who's Christian. So it's like a, it's like a two for one, mm -hmm. you know, killing. In their mind, two birds with one stone killing. Mm -hmm. So they are motivated by hatred. So you cannot compare them to a secular Jewish society that can relatively live in peace and kind of go about their business, whether we agree their business or not. 
And and the thing is that you don't have to bring into, oh, they're God's people. Like, you know, God has a covenant with them or or then you go, well, he fulfilled it in Jesus. And so you can go both ways with that, but that none of that matters because mm-hmm. they're humans creating the image and likeness of God. And if they were firing on Africans, you know, Europeans, that doesn't matter. They're people. They're humans created in the image of God. No one has a right to kill innocent people. And that should, as a nation state, be met with force. Romans talks about that, to execute wrath on those who, you know, on evildoers. And it is evil. I mean, you are seeing the face of evil. And and to me, that's heartbreaking. So I think that our response needs to be compassion. If you if you know a legitimate organization that's feeding people in Israel, give. If you know a legit organization feeding people in Palestine, give. Because these are people who are naked, hungry, thirsty, sick, and living in a real prison. And when you minister to them, you're ministering to Jesus. So whether they're suffering an Israeli, suffering the loss of children that were beheaded, or whether they're Palestinian and they're suffering from living in a place where people firing rockets from them and then they're getting them fired back and they had nothing to do with that conflict, our, our, the calling of God is to love them and preach the gospel. And there's not one Jewish person that's going to heaven without Jesus. And there's not one Palestinian that's going to heaven without Jesus. So they all need Jesus. They all need food. And that is why I'm saying let's humanize it. Let's pray. Let's help. Let's vote for people who understand the situation and let's try to understand how people are feeling on both sides of the equation. Another thing I want to mention too that I think is very important that I think gets really left out of of the conversation mostly is this. When America fought Iraq, in my opinion, that was not a legitimate war. The war in Afghanistan, I, I believe, was a legitimate war. It's my opinion. I'm not, you know, a war scholar. But from my, you know, based on what I've understood, the war in Iraq was not a legit war. Did you know that more than a million Christians were displaced from Iraq because of that war? A million Christians had to flee a place that they lived for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. I mean, you know, Jesus is still coming back to Jerusalem. He's not coming back to Washington, D.C., New York City, California. He's coming back to, I mean, his feet will touch down on Zion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that, that is, I mean, so there is a profound connection to our story in Christ and that land. The blood of Jesus dripped on that land. I mean, so he wept over the city of Jerusalem. So there, there is something profoundly unique that is historical and geographical and spiritual about the land, the people of the land, the people returning to the land. But that does not give them carte blanche to kill, occupy, and do whatever whatever they want in the name of we're God's people. And I think most reasonable Christians would say that. So it's very possible to be pro-Israel and critique what is not of God. I mean, that's what the whole Hebrew scriptures and the prophets did. They were the people of God critiquing 
bad leadership and uh, people that had a disregard for the word of God. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, you can be pro-Israel and critique them, and you can be pro-Palestine, feel that they have a right to live and have peace and have their own, you know, land and their own fig tree, but yet critique you know what is not right about the situation but if you ask me and and this is my honest take my honest take is that this is not a conflict that is really with the israeli people or with the palestinian people this is a conflict that hamas is trying with the help of hezbollah with the funding of iran to kill jews but their goal if you if you saw what they named the war they did not name the war free gaza if you research the name of the war, you'll find what you'll find what it is. They are after the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. They want to retake the city of Jerusalem. That's what they want. To me, if that happens, that is a very, very bad sign, and that is a sign of profoundly dark times ahead. If that happens, mm-hmm. what are some of those implications? Look, ahead? look historically. Look historically. If you look back um, when the Muslims ran Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you look, look at how that, like people, like, for example, many times this is not taught within wokeness. They're like, the Crusades, Christians kill people, Crusades, Christians kill people. Yeah, well, that was a response to what the Muslims did in taking the city. So, that does I'm not saying that Christians did not misrepresent God historically. We did. They used the Bible for slavery. They did all types of wicked stuff. And I and I get that. And that's very disheartening as a Christian. Very disheartening on many levels. But if we're talking about the Crusades, that was really a a a res, that was a response to Muslim invasion and violence. And if I can be honest, Jerusalem will do better in the hands of Jews or Christians. And the reason I say that is because Jews, they have created a a moderate level of peace, like our own wicked society of peace, right? But if you look at the spirit of Hamas and those people, it is a spirit that wants to do violence and hatred. So the Jewish people, even if they don't like you, they may persecute you, spit at you, and laugh at you, but they are not trying to actively kill you. Now, maybe you have some really radical Jews that might, but that's not the consensus. But you, when you look at with, with in, in the consensus of where Islam is dominant, it is women pay, children pay, violence I mean that that is there's no way around it. Now there's anomalies such as a city such as Dubai. There's certain places where they're trying to have a more just society. Um, churches are allowed to operate in Dubai. I was a Christian. I felt pretty safe in Dubai. You're probably safer in Dubai than you are in New York City. <laughs> um, I so I so I'm not I'm not in any way demonizing Jews, demonizing Muslims, and I'm not saying all Christians are angels. We know that that's not accurate historically. But I'm saying that spirit that is motivating Hamas is one that is fully given to hatred, to to violence, to murder, and there's no negotiating with that. So that is to me very disheartening, and so I don't, I really don't know what will happen. But 
based on what's happening now, it seems that the, 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 the goal is not a few more streets in Palestine. Because if that was the goal, you negotiate, mm-hmm. you buy, you, you come to the table. You, but that, so, so this is why I'm saying the problem is not the Palestinian people. In fact, they're the ones who are in the midst of a problem that they don't, many of them don't want to be in. And that, my heart really goes out to those people the same way my heart goes out to the people of Israel who are just trying to live their life and do their thing and there's rockets being fired. So to me, I think that that's kind of a simplified but detailed kind of approach to it. So pray, don't demonize the Palestinian people, don't canonize the Jewish people, even though they're in the Bible. I, what I mean by that is don't make them all out to be perfect or innocent or don't give them a blank check to do whatever they want as it relates to land. But in fairness, they gave Gaza to Palestine. They didn't have to do that. They could have said no. Palestine would never give that to Israel. Never. In fact, they, lo- they fought a war and they lost and they still gave them land. So, I mean, they're not, how bad can they be? Especially if 2 million Arabs want to live there. And that's not to say they're innocent. And in, in, so I'm trying to be fair to the whole situation because I am pro-Israel, but I'm also pro-Palestine because I'm pro-human. Because both of those people have one thing in common, they need Jesus. The same way Hamas needs Jesus. But if you want to kill innocent people, my understanding biblically is that the role of the disciple is to turn the cheek. The role of the disciple is to preach the gospel, is to heal the sick, is to feed the hungry. That is the role. But now if we're talking about the role of civil government, the role of civil government is to create and facilitate peace within the geographical borders of that country. So Israel has a right to respond the same way the Palestinian people have a right to respond. But the problem is that it was not the Palestinian people fighting the Israeli people. It was terrorists attacking Israel. And those terrorists don't even care about their own people because they know that Israel has to retaliate like any nation state would retaliate. And so they don't care about their own people. In fact, they're using their own people as human shields. So you have to realize that they, they know that their own land is going to be destroyed. So they are, it's not about land. That's a false narrative. The same way it's a false narrative that Israel is fighting Palestine. No, they're not. And, it's, and, it, and it is Israel defending itself against terrorists and innocent Israelis being killed and innocent Palestinians being killed. That's the real story. And the final part of that story is that there are many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, Palestinian Christians, who are persecuted by both Jews and Muslims. That's another part of the story. Now, the Jews are not killing them like the like the like Muslims do. They they it's so that that spirit is is a spirit of anger because Ishmael was cast out. So it has this rejection, it has this anger, this vi- this it goes all the way back to Cain killing Abel. That spirit of rejection that creates anger and murder. 
That is the spirit in which influ influences that 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 group. That's that's if you can't see that you you know your eyes are closed. The other group may have a spirit of blindness, but they're not going there killing everyone. So it's it's not you know it's not the same thing. And I think that it's fair to say, as Christians, man, we gotta really care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of them are in Palestine, and there's also actually a growing number of believing Jewish people in Israel. So I think that as the family of God, we should care about them first, right? I'm first responsible for my own children before I have to feed your children. So those are people in the family. And then we've also been grafted in to Israel, the Israel of God, the Israel not of the flesh, but the Israel that is by faith, Right, because within the biblical narrative, you know, you, Abraham came from Padam Aram, that's modern day Iraq, and from that Israel came forth. So, it, so the promises of God has always been about faith, not just ethnicity and geography. Ethnicity and geography are a part of the description, but the real full definition is faith. Faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Faith in men who walk with God. Not faith in those men, but faith in God and in the journey that God took them on that bring us into the body of Christ. And Paul says that we're the sons of Abraham. Hebrews 11 is our family history. So we have been grafted in. So there is a very profound and unique space for Israel. What I've seen with the church is that if the church, if you remove Israel from the story, you have to put Israel back in the story in a way that's unnatural and not it, it's weird. And then you get like Puerto Rican people, you know, wearing yarmulkes, wanting to be Jewish, and white people they're as pasty as milk, and they think they're Jewish, and it's really really strange. And one of the things that God did to guard against this is God took His sharpest Jewish mind and sent him to the Gentile world so that the Gentiles and the nations would understand the covenants that God made to the patriarchs because the promises were first to the patriarchs. So the promises, the gospel goes to the Jew first because that's who God made the promise to. So it's not about favoritism. It's about God keeping his word. So the gospel is first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So we have been brought in to the family of faith. So that means that not in an idolatrous way, but in a coherent and historical way, there is something profound and unique about the nation of Israel, the land, and the people. Now, I recognize that the people of the land then are not the people of the land now, and I get that, but nevertheless, there is something yet profound about that. And when Paul wrote to the Romans, he was like, basically, don't think that, you know, that these people are just like, God's just done with them and, and you know, they're old news. Like, Paul Paul had, had a desire for Israel to be saved and he was like, I would be a curse for my countrymen. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jesus weeps over cities, places, and people. So we need to weep over the Palestinian people and pray for them. We need to weep over Jerusalem and pray for it. And we need to humanize the situation and think of how would we feel if that was happening in our home and what would we want 
to happen for us if that was happening to us. And that to me, the most simple expression of that is pray and give. Because we're not going to go start a war there, but we can pray and we can give. And if there's people that are doing legit work, such as Robert Stearns or such as, I mean, there's others. I think World Vision, they're doing stuff in Afghanistan right now. There's legitimate organizations working. Find a legitimate organization that represents your faith and represents Christ and represents love for all and help. That's that's my kind of, you know. Monica, how have you been processing and engaging this whole situation past few days a lot of prayer and weeping <laughs> so it's a good time <laughs> yes thank you lord so um for our listeners who don't know about my testimony um i was very involved in the political far left in the united states and one of really the tenets of western leftism is just unabashed support for palestine so for many years, I was super involved in um, efforts to raise awareness about um, what I saw as the occupation of Palestine, and um, you know, educated myself and and was active in the streets. Um, you know, if I wasn't saved, thank you Jesus, I'm saved today. You know, uh, very likely yeah. chance I would uh, very likely chance I would have been um, one of the several hundred um, people in the streets. Um, of New York City, as they have been in the past few days, screaming, you know, re- resistance is justified when people are occupied, and other slogans, etc. And um, it's kind of catchy. Actually. It definitely is. Resistance <laughs> is justified when people are going. And I'd you know, say we Louis Vuitton <laughs> for Palestine. <laughs> I'm when, just playing. Um, so also, let me just give a context for people who are listening. Monica used to hate white people. <laughs> And, and so uh, to me, you know, her opinion of what is happening is a very fascinating one because God has transformed her. So there's things that she used to believe and then things that she still understands and, and she's, God has shaken her and growing her in that. So my question to you is through your old grid to your new grid, what is different about how you see it? Yes. Number one, there was such just a total hatred, as you discussed, Pastor, in that um, anti-Israel sentiment. So you have people with this by any means necessary ideology where they will find a way to use um, the history of violence and conflict between the Palestinian people and the um, Israeli people as a justification for something like we saw on Saturday where Hamas ran up on a music festival and slaughtered 250 people in cold blood. And when I was actually spending a lot of time the past few days watching news coverage from all sides of the political spectrum, including news coverage created by uh, people in the organization I was part of and actually my my old job, um, this uh, leftist media startup, I just was really disgusted by the fact that there was this air of whelp that's what you get, you know, towards the Israeli people. And I just don't agree with that anymore. Like, I just strongly don't. And um, I think uh, there's this uh, capitalizing that the left does on people's pain. And I know for me, (laughs) that was um, very real when it comes to um, the Palestinian issue because I remember when I, I, I remember 
way back in history class as like a teenager learning about the Palestine-Israel conflict and just learning. It was, I remember my, I, I still have this image of my history teacher just saying, you know, it's just a religious conflict, super complicated. It's not even worth getting into. That's what it was. And when I heard um, the mention of uh, of that again when I was again very deeply embedded in this in this left movement um, and involved in a Marxist Leninist organization in New York City I was um, taught to kind of see it as related to um, not my direct experiences but the experiences of my ancestors as a Puerto Rican person with uh, colonization and uh, and um, occupation and um, I remember that was where I, I developed this deep sense of empathy for the Palestinian people because I saw the ravages of um, just occupation of the U.S. military in Puerto Rico and how that has affected, you know, the people of of my um, maternal and paternal, um, you know, homeland. And um, I I could see a lot of the similarities in the in the history um, of the the Palestinian and Israeli conflict. Now, um, again, I think it is a, a, a you know a decently complicated history um, in a lot of ways. I, I don't agree with a lot of the things that the Israeli state has done, but I, I very much take the opinion now that um, we are all image bearers of Christ and that um, there is no space for hatred in the kingdom. Yep. And that um, just as pastor said so well, that um, both Palestinians and Israeli people need Jesus. And um, I think it's just a cycle of violence begetting more violence. And I have a problem with extremes on both sides of the spectrum. Um, which again, I mean, just summing up what Pastor already said, which I really strongly agree with that there is this idea, I think, in the um, American church that um, Israel can do no wrong and that, you know, because um, the Israeli people are God's chosen people, that that means we must, you know, um, you know, just pray, you know, that that everything that they do, you know, is covered under the shield of God's protection. And, you know, there's a lot of quoting of all these, you know, Old Testament scriptures of, you know, like anyone who curses Israel is cursed. I'm misquoting that that verse, but just along those lines. And I remember when I first came back to the Lord about two years ago, actually kind of like, um, like debating why my poor grandma, Lord Jesus, forgive me, grandma, like about this because she like has like that kind of like, you know, Israel can do no wrong. And it's not her fault, you know, because a generational thing and it's just, you know, the kind of church that she was yeah. in. But I remember like going back and forth because that this was an issue that was so deeply unsettled in my heart at that point. And um, now I think these past few days seeing these things unfold, um, I've just really been taking it to the Lord and asking the Lord, like, I just want your eyes and your heart for what's going on. Like, just I want to forget everything that I was, um, you know, educated to to, to believe um, in the left. And, and I want to see um, what this is. And, and all I've been seeing is just people's faces. Like all I've been seeing is is blood being shed. And, and that blood looks the same, whether it it's um, an Israeli um, shedding that blood or Palestinian shedding that blood. And I um, yeah. And I and I think we need to have that take here. I, and I think um, we have to be very, very careful 
when it comes to um, extremes on any kind, whether that's a by any any means necessary re- resistance is justified extreme, or uh, that's an extreme of you know God's pe- chosen people can do whatever they want and they can carpet bomb neighborhoods and turn off electricity and water supply to Gaza and that's okay. So um, yeah, and I think that it's an issue of money and power as well. Um, Israel is the largest recipient of U.S. taxpayer dollars. Like, uh, I'm not really a fan of the fact that my money goes to supporting the IDF. Like, I think that as any nation state should, like their own tax dollars should support their own military. And if you actually look at the history of when um, this conflict really started to come to a heat, like in the 1940s, it was really that like, the British, the British got involved, and you know, at that point in time, Great Britain was the the world socioeconomic power, you know, the political power, um, the center of uh, of political, you know, hegemony in the world. So it was just like adding when you when you actually look at the timeline of one events, of the centers yeah but but when it comes that was to actually their, there was a shift in power exactly around with, with that the United time, States because right. what mm-hmm. happened was. Uh, you know, when America got hit in Pearl Harbor, that woke America up mm-hmm. and that really propelled America to being the superpower that it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, I, I agree with you and I feel the same way about the whole thing with Ukraine. It's like our tax dollars are going to fund other people's military. I don't think that that's a fair allocation of our tax dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with that. and And that goes to giving $6 billion to Iran or paying for Ukraine's war. I think that they have to be strategic about who's their allies and how that's going to work out. And I think that maybe that's above my pay grade at this moment. But I agree with you, you know, in principle that it's like our tax dollars are supposed to be for our country. And to say that is not anti-Semitic or anti-Ukraine or anti-Africa. I mean, I feel the same about Africa. Like we're we're you know like if you want to go there and you want to be a missionary and you want to give your money cool but if you want to take my money and allocate it there I don't think that that's fair and I think to say that doesn't make you anti-Israeli or anti-Africa I think it just means that you're an American citizen and you want your tax dollars to go to your country which I don't think is a bogus thing. And and I think too, we have to remove the idea of if I criticize something that Israel does, that I am cursing them. Or if I criticize something Palestine has done, that I'm cursing them. Well, you know, recently N.T. Wright said the same thing about this topic. He said, hey, I'm, pro, I'm pro-British, so I critique Britain because I want to do better. So criticizing it is actually being pro that thing you're criticizing because you yes, want it to do better. because you care. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that is important because the prophetic critique, it, most of the Old Testament is filled with prophetic critique. God's prophets against his own people but it was really God for his own people. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I think is ignorant too that we do is that we hold unchristian people to a Christian standard. So I cannot hold Israel to a Christian standard and I can't hold Palestine to a Christian standard. And you definitely can't hold Hamas to a Christian standard because as you just saw again, hatred 
has no boundaries. So the thing that's troubling about that is how do you win a war when you're fighting people who are not afraid to die and they're not afraid to kill and they have the will to fight and die and and they think they're doing the right thing. When they wake up, they're going to be sadly mistaken. And that's very troubling and that's very sad. And to me, that that's really the disheartening part of it. And I think too, in uh, in actually fairness to Israel and Palestine, the, the Palestinian people, they're willing to die for where they live. Some of them who are associated with terrorism are willing to not only die but kill for what they want. Israel will die for their land, clearly. Some of them will kill for their land, for sure. Not at the rate of Hamas, but... And Christians, it's like they're doing God a favor if they come to church twice a month. You, you're, we're, They're producing people that will bleed and die. And we're producing what? I think that it's really also a time where we need to ask ourselves... You know, the body of Christ needs to get woken up yep. in in the West because we're we're in a crisis, and just because there's not bombs flying yet doesn't mean that all that stuff is off the table. Mm-hmm. When you look at the sheer amount of murders that happen in our city, our cities, it's actually war zones. Mm. If you pull up the homicide numbers in Chicago, if you pull up the homicide numbers in Philadelphia, it is like an active war zone. And I think that's what desensitizes the American people, like the violence that just happens around us every day, the violence that we see even in popular culture and like movies and video games and lyrics and music we listen to like it's just so like blase and I think that's what kind of feeds this ability for us in the comfort of our own homes with like our iPhones and like Starbucks in hand for um, anti-capitalist with a $2,000 phone true and uh, and then uh, (laughs) exactly and then on both sides of the spectrum too to be um, having these uh, genocidal opinions about what's going on halfway around the world so I think it's something that um, I, I agree that the American church needs to wake up to because we are so cushy and comfy and people are claiming um, being oppressed and being persecuted by like, I don't know, like <laughs> by being like, I don't know, like um, just for the most insane things. And it's just like when we actually talk about what real persecution looks like, it, it looks like Palestinian Christians like being afraid to speak up about their own faith because of getting killed. It looks like um, Christians in Iran having to literally flee the country. It looks like what's been going on in um, parts of India where uh, there have been um, just brutal attacks on the church. Yeah. So the whole neighborhoods burned down, churches, yep. people burned alive. Um, and I just want to say one thing too. She's right. We need to wake up. But I also want to not villainize the American church as well because most Christians are trying to do the best they can with what they know and they have not really been taught well. So some of it is that, some of it is a leadership crisis, but 
I'm I'm hopeful because the church has be is becoming more socially aware and to be a truly prophetic people you have to be socially aware there's more than 2000 scriptures in the bible on justice there's like 3 or 4 on homosexuality and we stand on that soapbox and preach it and we should it's part of the bible you know it's sin but what about addressing the other 2000 scriptures that call me to actually become kind of uncomfortable because doing justice isn't cheap. Just like caring for the poor isn't cheap. And being poor doesn't help the poor. So, you know, th- this is a very complex world of caring for others and loving others. And that may cost us something, but it's worth it. You know, Jesus paid for them. They belong to him. And whether they're Jew or whether they're Muslim, the gospel is good news. It's for them. If they reject it, that's on them. But it's for them, and so I guess we can just wrap up by by praying. I'd just like to pray for a minute. Father, we just pray over the land of Israel, God, over the city of Jerusalem. You said that those who pray for the peace of Jerusalem would prosper. Lord, I pray that uh, everyone who is here, everyone who will listen, will pray for the peace of Jerusalem and that they will prosper in their calling in you and in the purpose that you have. Lord, I pray for justice for the Palestinian people, peace, that there would be peace for them, that there would be peace in Israel, and that however you choose the best way that you would rid out the evil uh, within the Hamas and Hezbollah, and I pray that many of those people would encounter you and would repent and would change, even as Saul became Paul, that there would be uh, Damascus Road experiences and that people would have an encounter with the living God and that they would embrace Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, as King, and that we would see brighter days uh, of peace for that city and for that region in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.